Well, thank you, Brother Terry, for sharing that with us. Thank you, choir, for sharing. And thank you, uh, Kyle and Selena, for sharing. And Justin and Kyle. And thank you for taking part in worship this morning. It just works out so good when we're all worshiping. And I know uh, it's rejoicing in heaven when we, uh, when we come together and worship. If you brought your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 2. And then we'll go from 2 Peter to Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis 13 for a couple of verses there. 2 Peter chapter 2, and we'll look at verses 4 through 9. I want to speak to you in a message today with a series on mission with God, the man called Lot, the man called Lot. 2 Peter chapter 2, and we'll look at verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. Now notice verse 7. And deliver just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Verse 8. For that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. There's no way I could get in in a sermon all that I wanted to share in verses 4 through 9. So this is part one, probably a part two, maybe a part three sermon. So for part one this morning, I want us to look at this man called Lot. Now the Bible teaches that a person, when that person places their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says that they are given eternal life, a life with him. Forever and forever and forever. It's referred to from time to time as everlasting life. Referred to as life will no, with no end. So a person who's placed their faith in Jesus will never experience what the Bible calls the second death. They'll never experience that lake of fire reserved for the wicked, those who have rejected Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. They'll never go to that dreadful place called hell. However, the Bible says that a saved person could live their life in such a wayward, backslidden condition that that person could taste a little bit of hell here on earth. Now, an example of a believer who would spend a little hell here on earth is that of Lot. Now, it's a terrible thing that we have to research a person's entire life 
to figure out if they're a Christian or not. That is a disgrace. That is a disgrace, dear Christian, if people are trying to figure out if you are a believer or not. Do you know if he's a Christian? I don't know. You think he's a Christian? I don't know. He goes to church, but is he a Christian? I, I don't know. The most evident thing, Christian, in your life should be your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the most evident thing you ought to have going in your life. And when we're around people, it should be evident that we're Christians and that we're in love with Jesus Christ and we serve Him faithfully. Now, if that's not evident in your life, you've got a serious problem. Lot was that kind of person. It, it's, it's troubling to kind of look at a person's life and try to figure out if they're a Christian or not. That was the kind of person he was. Um, if it wasn't for 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, I would have suggested to you that he was a lost person. 2 Peter chapter 2 says, And delivered, what? Just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, verse 8, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. If all I knew about Lot was what I read in the Old Testament, I really would find it difficult to say that Lot had a saved soul. But in 2 Peter chapter 2, 7 through 8, he refers to him as just Lot and righteous man and righteous soul. Now, the word the King James translates as just and righteous is the same word we find in Romans chapter 4, verse 3. Listen to what God's Word says. Romans 4, verse 3. For what saith the Scripture, speaking of Abraham, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him, it was counted under Abraham for righteousness. He believed God, his belief in God, his faith in God was counted unto him his, as his righteousness. And so the point is, Lot was a man who had a relationship with God. The point, Lot was a believer, but Lot was a backslider. Lot had union with God, but Lot didn't have communion with God. Lot had a relationship with God, but, God had, but Lot had no fellowship with God. Lot was an Old Testament illustration of the New Testament principle, he was saved yet so as by fire. The only thing Lot had going for him in regards to a relationship with God is that God had counted his righteousness, Lot's righteousness, and saved him, redeemed him. And I believe that Lot, although he was a saved person, experienced a little hell here on earth. We'll talk about that later. Now, 
I don't believe the most miserable person in Phil Campbell is the lost person. I don't believe the most miserable person in church, perhaps here this morning, is the lost person. But I believe the most miserable person, perhaps in this service, is the one who is genuinely saved, but they are backslidden on God. They have, a, they have a relationship, but no fellowship. They're not walking in that sweet relationship, that sweet relationship with the Lord. Now, the Bible says that individual, if not already, will experience a little hell here on earth. The most miserable person, and the most miserable people are not lost people, but saved people, backslidden on God, while at the t- same time experiencing a little hell here on the earth. Now the question is, how did Lot come to live such a miserable Christian experience? Genesis chapter 12. Turn over there if you will. First book in the Bible. Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to look at couple of verses as we try to see three truths about how Lot came to live in such a miserable Christian life. Look, if you will, verse 4. Genesis 12, verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. That's very important. You can underline that. That little phrase is used throughout the next two chapters. And Lot went with him, and Lot went with him, and Lot went with him. Notice verse 4. And Lot went with him. That phrase occurs really several times in, in the next few verses. Now that phrase, and Lot went with him, teaches us that Lot was a man who had a special family. Abraham was his uncle. He lived with his uncle Abram, later changed to Abraham. And the Bible says, and Lot went with him, him meaning Abraham. Lot went with him. Now, it refers that Lot went with his uncle Abraham. Now, you may not know much about Lot, but if you've ever been in vacation Bible school, if you've ever been in Sunday school, and by the way, we have Sunday school every Sunday morning. We have a class for everybody from birth all the way up to near death. We've got a place for you. You need to be in God's house studying God's Word, learning the Scripture, because the, world, the way the world's going, you're going to be calling on those pretty soon, real quick. You need to be able to know where they are. So we don't know much about Lot, but if you've been in Bible school and you've had bedtime stories read to you, you know about Abraham. Abraham was known as the friend of God. Abraham was the father of the faithful. Abraham, the Bible says, lived in the land of the Ur of Chaldees. Abraham was living in this pagan land. And really, he was living in idolatry, and God came to him and said, Abram, I want you to get up, I want you to pull up your tent pegs, and I want you to go to a place that no one knows, 
You don't even know, but I'm going to show you where you're going as you go. I'll tell you to go. I'll tell you where to live. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what you need to be doing. And so he had this life of faith. And he said, you continue to believe me and I will bless you. And he says, this is the way I'll bless you. I'll multiply your seed, your children, as the stars are in the sky and as the sand is in the ocean or on the sea, in the sea. So what did Abraham do? Well, he got up and he pulled up his stakes and he began leaving the air of the, the land of Ur, uh, the Chaldees looking for that city, looking for a city, living in a tent, and lingering on an altar. He obeyed God. Now, what's really interesting, as the Bible says, when Abraham left the land of the Chaldees, Lot went with him. Lot went with him. Here's the point. I believe Abraham did whatever mom and dad ought to do for their children. He did it for his children. He did it for his nephew. He would have done it for his grandchildren. Abraham created this atmosphere that was spiritually conducive for faith. Can you imagine Lot watching Abraham and how Abraham would practice his faith and how he believed God? I believe that Abraham gave Lot what every child needs. Abraham gave Lot a Christian heritage. A Christian heritage. Now listen up, moms and dads. You need to be reminded that the eyes of your children are watching you. They're watching you. And as they watch you, you need to create a godly heritage. I believe that we need to live a life in such a way as my children and my grandchildren, as they put their feet in my footsteps, that my footsteps will lead them to the cross. If your footsteps are not leading your children to the cross, you are a delinquent parent. Proverbs 20, verse 7. Just jot this down. It says this, The just man walketh in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. I don't know about you, but I want to live a life of integrity. God give us men and women that have integrity. God give us men and women that have integrity and have character about them. God help me to live in such a way that when our children and when our grandchildren follow, that my footsteps are leading them to the cross. Judy and I had a big task when we started having children. We had to raise two preacher's kids. And we lived in a glass house. And our family was constantly watched. And our children were constantly watched. And still are constantly watched. Some, to the point of watching, even had a desire perhaps that that preacher's house, that glass house, would kind of crash and crumble and fall. However, Judy and I 
made it a point to continue to teach God's Word and, and to try to make that a pattern of our lives and to live a life of integrity before our children. Never wanted my children to be in church somewhere, my wife, and me say something, and then know it in their own heart and in their mind that it wasn't the same way at home as I said that it was behind the pulpit. A life of integrity. When Abraham left, Lot went with him because Abraham had produced a spiritual atmosphere that was conducive to faith in that home. Lot had a special family with an atmosphere conducive to faith. But secondly, look at chapter 13 of Genesis. Chapter 13, the Bible says in verse 1, and Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had. There it is again, and Lot went with him. Lot, now, why did Lot go with him? Well, Lot had this saving faith. He had a special family, but he had saving faith. The Bible says that in 2 Peter that Lot was a just man. He saved. He was a righteous man. He saved. He had a, a righteous soul. He was saved. I don't know when that happened. But Lot had been redeemed. Lot had gotten saved. However, I know that... I don't know when the righteousness was bestowed upon him. But I do know this, that that we cannot bestow the righteousness of God on ourselves. The Bible says your righteousness are as filthy rags. Your righteousness will never get you to heaven. It's not about your righteousness, it's about His righteousness. And His righteousness is bestowed upon you, placed upon you. We can't be good enough to be saved. And this morning, if you're a Christian, you're saved. It's not because of your righteousness, but it's because of the righteousness that Jesus Christ credited to your account. I don't know when he got saved, but I do know that he was saved because the Bible says he was saved. I don't know if they had revivals back during Abraham's time. Might have had an old brush harbor. Might have had that brush harbor and old Abraham standing up there in front of the people and he was sharing his testimony and what God had done in his life and how God had worked in his life and an old Lot standing back there and he's listening to the message. And Abraham's fixing to give an invitation and you know what that means if you're lost. You'd rather be anywhere except in church with an invitation going on because you're faced with a decision whether to accept Christ or to reject Christ and Lot was in that condition no doubt he was had white knuckles like like I had when I was 11 years old I didn't want to turn loose of a pew Abraham perhaps may have been sharing his testimony maybe broke out and singing I'll Follow, follow, I'll follow Jesus anywhere, everywhere, I'll follow on. Then old Lot might have turned loose and ran down to Abraham and said, said, Uncle Abe, listen, I want what you got. I want to be saved. I really do. I want to have that kind of faith. I want to trust God like you trust God, Uncle Abe. Please tell me what I need to do. How do I trust God to be my God? 
could have happened something like that. I don't know how it happened. All I know, he says that he was a righteous man, had a righteous soul. The point is, somewhere along the way, he let go of that pew, if there was such thing, and he went forward, and he took that old white-knuckled hand he'd held on so tight, and he was willing by faith to reach to Abraham's hand, and in doing so, willing to put his hand in God's hand forever. Somewhere along the way, he let go, he raised his hand, and took, in all practicality, the nail-scarred hand of Jesus. So it brings us to a question. Has there ever been a time in your life that you repented of your sins, placed your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation and trusted Him? Our God create, uh, credited His righteousness to my account. And when you accept Christ, He credits His righteousness to your account. Yours, your righteousness, will never earn salvation. Simply put, are you saved? Do you know God? You have a personal relationship with him. Lot had a special family. Lot had a saving faith. I'm going to close with this real quick. Lot had some significant fortune. Look, if you will, at chapter 13, verse 1. Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot went with him into the south. Abraham was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. Drop down to number five. And Lot also, which went with Abraham, he had flocks and herds and tents. So Lot had this significant fortune. Here's the point. Whatever God calls you to do, he'll give you everything you need to do everything that he's called you to do. That goes for you as an individual, me as an individual, but it goes for us as a church. Mountain View Baptist Church, I really believe with all of my heart, you'll, I'll die believing this, you'll never change me. I believe God raised us up out of nothing to meet his challenges for the future, but I also believe in doing that, God says, I'm going to give you everything you need to meet those challenges. I'm going to give you the people, I'm going to give you the resources, I'm going to give you the methods to do what I've asked you to do. Therefore, when God's people began to give of themselves, their spiritual gifts, their natural abilities, they began to give of their resources, they're building the kingdom here on earth, while at the same time, unbeknown to so many, they're laying up treasures for themselves, which is in heaven. How good is that? The point is, God's given Lot his resources. It's God who gave them their, their herds and their flocks and their tents. He gave the herds, flocks, tents to Abram. Gave the herds, flocks, and tents to Lot. And no doubt, Abram kind of had to pull Lot to the side and say, Listen, Lot, God's given everything to us that we have. Don't you ever forget that. Whatever you do, don't set your eyes... on the flocks, herds, and tents. And forget God. Have you set your eyes on your flocks, herds, and tents? 
and forgotten God? The point is, there's a danger of getting your eyes on your blessings and taking your eyes off of the blesser. Some people have a difficult time financially. Some people have a difficult time financially. Christians, difficult time financially, difficult time uh, tithing, difficult time meeting those financial obligations. Why is that? Could it be that you've taken your eyes off the blesser and you've gotten your eyes on your flocks and your herds and your tents and you've forgotten the one who's given you everything? I've made it my own, Brother Sammy. I'm a self-made person. Oh, really? Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, and we're closing. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 should be on your screen. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. See that? But Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth thee power to do what? To get wealth. <laughs> the house you live in, God gave you the power to get the wealth. The job you have, God gave you the power to get the wealth. The clothes you wear, God gave you the power to get the wealth. He's given you the power to get the wealth. Did you know that he could just remove or just reach down and just touch a little cell in your brain or my brain and we would be in a vegetarian state the rest of our lives and people would have to feed us and turn us over on one side and off our back and give our bath and feed us, take care of us? And you think you've done something in your life? Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that hath given thee power to get wealth. Lot, he had a special family. Parents, are your steps leading your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, nephews, your neighbors, whomever? Your steps leading them to the cross. Someone's going to have to do a master search at the end of your life to see if you belong to a church, I'm going to tell you how you know in the, I'm going to tell you how you know when that happens if you read the obituary, when it says they were a Baptist. Nobody knows what church they're affiliated with. I've been in rooms and I say, well, where'd they go to church? I don't know. I think this, I think that. Their life was completely apart from God. No one knew if they ever attended church, whether as they ever served the Lord. He had a special family. Your family. You got a special family, moms and dads. What steps are you taking? Are people following them to the cross? He had a saving faith. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? Have you put your faith and trust in him? And then he had a significant fortune. He knew where his blessings came, and he recognized the blesser, not so much the blessings. We're going to stop here because it, it, it really doesn't get good for a lot. Sounds good right now.
that he makes a really, really bad decision. We're going to talk about that next week.